strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Then zone for Fitz. Goes up and makes the game-winning catch. Larry Legend does it again. The Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! You know the world is sideways. When trading Deshaun Watson takes a backseat to trading stock in GameStop. And AMC and Nokia and these. I mean, you thought Houston, the Houston Texans, were a distressed operation, a failing operation that was forced to trade. Well, that has nothing on what we've seen on Wall Street. And right about now, Texans ownership is hoping somebody inflates and pumps up the value of the Texans franchise like we've seen on Wall Street with some of these other failing stocks out there. You are the king of the segue. You realize that, Paula. You are the king. Wolf, how can you not correlate uh, the big trade news that's out there with Deshaun Watson and the other trade news on Wall Street? Don't act like you don't sit around in your Zubas all day and day trade, Wolf. Come on now at the compound. We know you that's know I exactly don't do that, what Paulie, you do. Are you kidding me right now? But you are right about the quarterbacks. Oh, the commodities that are the NFL quarterbacks that are out there right now. What do you want, Paulie? You want old? You want young? You want new? You want old? What is it, Paul? I tell you what I don't want. I'm going to reverse engineer the answer to that question here right off the top on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi here, Ron Wolf with there. I'll reverse engineer that. As long as Deshaun Watson doesn't end up with the Niners, <laughs> I'm good. That will crush me. I'm with you on that one, Paulie. Can you imagine if somehow, some way, Kyle Shanahan and that offense, and dare I say that defense, gets Deshaun Watson <laughs> as our quarterback right now? Wait, what can we do, Paul? That is the question I've got. What can we do to make sure that never happens? Is there anything you can think of, Paulie? Is there anything you can do to segue well, on that one? Well, we could get Robin Hood uh, to come in and stop trading. You, you, I mean, you know, you could get you get these Wall Street trading platforms to come in and stop trading on the Deshaun Watson to San Francisco. Obviously, there's something nefarious about Deshaun Watson ending up with the Niners. So, you know, the SEC and Wall Street needs to step in. We can't have that happen. There's no way. I agree with you, Paulie. The Robin Hood, that was really good as well. But let me just say this. What is Miami doing right now? What are the Dolphins doing? Will you start acting here? I want want to see Brian Flores start acting here like a head coach who went 10 and 6 on the season. They're in dire need. Would you trade? I mean, to a tongue by law for Deshaun Watson basically? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I mean, you would do that. Now, listen, they'd get a lot of draft picks as well, but still, I'd be all over that if I were the Miami Dolphins. Miami might have to get in line behind Carolina. You see the report Ooh. from the NFL Network late today that Carolina is, quote, going to aggressively pursue Deshaun Watson, bring him back to the Carolinas. 
obviously give them an identity for pretty much a no-name team. Now, would they have enough? I mean, would they have any interest whatsoever in Teddy Bridgewater? And what could uh, you know, they have the number eight pick overall? Would that be enough? But once again, Wolf, what you need to fear is mounting speculation that because Nick Casario, former New England executive, a guy who was key in drafting Jimmy G. Oh, no. Now that he is running the Texans, he would have significant interest in bringing Jimmy G to Houston, both as his quarterback and as an example of the sort of New England-esque culture that he would want to establish with the Texans, and that would be the launching point. Jimmy G and a trade with the 49ers that would put Deshaun Watson with the... I just just can't believe it. What are the the 49ers really going to give? What would they have to give up? Their next three first-round picks? Their next four? I, I mean, honestly, what what would that be, Paulie? Nick Bosa? Well, here's the thing, though. Deshaun Watson has a no-trade cause. So to what degree can he just deny some of these other trade partners and dictate the direction, the team to which he's traded? And so if he wants to go to the West Coast and he wants to be in a Kyle Shanahan system, and he's, Paulie, he's hurt their leverage. He's hurt the Houston Texans' leverage by coming out and making this public that he's demanding a trade. Uh, by the way, we'll talk to a guy who uh, spent his career chasing quarterbacks. Sam Acho, the former Cardinal, will join us in the Big Red Rage. Just getting rolling, all presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. First and 10 on the Cardinal 20. Snap to Murray, drops back the throw, looking deep, airing it out, middle of the field, he's got Kirk, it's caught at the 40, Kirk at the 30, the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, an 80-yard strike, Kyler Murray to Christian Kirk, two touchdowns for Kirk now in the game. Oh, baby, that was huge right there, Kyler Murray saw Christian Kirk, and he just ran the go route. What a great throw. Kyler Murray laid it out there, and Christian Kirk went and got it. I tell you, if there wasn't a guy named DeAndre Hopkins who had an array of ridiculous catches this season, that might have been the catch of the year. Christian Kirk, you think, Wolf, the fact that he caught it on a dead sprint, and remember the late hands he called it, right? Just shot him out there at the very end and got it by the the tip of the football. Yeah, absolutely, Bully. Especially that first half of the season, for the most part, Christian Kirk, man, was on fire. And then he kind of faded in the second half, and that's something we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, that was the game at Dallas. The Cardinals won 38-10 in the first three possessions, three punts, and then they scored touchdowns on their next four possessions and, and ran away with that game but as wolf mentioned here on the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford there was deandre hopkins and everyone else basically the second half of the season when it came to receiver production and because of that the cardinals made a change sean jefferson is the new wide receivers coach a guy who played the position for nearly a dozen years a guy who's coached the position for more than a dozen years you tell me wolf i mean what sort of cred does he bring to being a receivers coach considering 
considering all his experience at the position. There's no doubt about it, Paulie. This is this is a great thing, especially when you're talking about the skill position. When you're talking about the skill positions in the National Football League, both offense and defense, the further you get from the ball is when you start considering the skill, right? When you start you start talking about wide receivers and and I would say cornerbacks, DBs in particular, right there. Those are the skill positions to me. Running back, obviously, quarterback, obviously, but that's a whole different animal in and of itself. The wide receiver position, I think you need that credibility that Sean Jefferson has that he played the game 13 years. This is a guy that was a contemporary, Paulie. This is a guy that I know, Sean Jefferson. He was a great pro, Paul. This was a good football player, a guy that had a long career, and that definitely, I think, is going to resonate in that room with the wide receivers that he has. Well, look, players know players. Players know the coaches who played. Uh, You just uh, commented on that, and and Bertrand Berry had something to say about that earlier this week on the Red Sea Report. To have somebody in there that has been through it and done it, that holds a certain amount of weight, and that holds a certain amount of cachet. Uh, D-Hop and and Kirk and and all those guys are going to really try to uh, better themselves, and and what better way to do that than learn from a guy who, who played as long as Coach Jefferson did. Last couple of years with the Jets, he was also the assistant head coach to Adam Case. And Wolf, I'm guessing that, look. I think I tackled him a couple of times, Paul. I think if I'm not, mispa- if I'm not mistaken, I think Sean Jefferson actually returned punts for the Chargers. And I think I tackled him on more than one occasion, Paul. You know, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, I'm going to take everyone back to the introductory press conference of one Ken Wisenhunt. And Ken Wisenhunt finishes the press conference. He comes off the stage, walks down the aisle, sees Wolf. He stops and goes, Wolf, don't hit me. <laughs> that was Ken Wisenhunt's Well, reaction. we had some battles, Wisenhunt. There's no doubt about that, <laughs> Paulie. I think he still has a bruise on his sternum. So, uh, once again, you get the change at the position coach, right? Wiz, you know I love you. Yeah. If you're listening for some reason, yeah. I love you. And if Dave Pash was here, he would confirm <laughs> what I'm about to share now is whenever Wolf runs into a former teammate on the road or at a stadium, uh, we always – Dave usually asks Wolf afterwards, did you fight that guy? Did you fight that guy? I know, exactly. But, yeah. you know, there is something right. to it, Paulie, right? There is something to the, yeah. the, the experience in knowing that this guy that is coaching you has – he's been through the fire, man. He has been through the fire. He's been through the hardship. That – Listen, Paul, they always say this. you got to reach somebody before you can teach somebody. The fact that Sean Jefferson played goes a long way towards reaching somebody, opening them up, and then being able to teach them. Okay, so are they trying to reach Andy Isabella? Are they trying to reach Christian Kirk? To what degree is this a message for that wide receiver room, the players in that room? Yeah, there's no doubt it is, Paulie. It's a message. I I cannot help but think of Christian Kirk, Paulie. You you know how much I love this kid, and I know you like him as well, and how, oh my goodness, he's talented. This guy, guy, I think the first half of the season showed exactly what he could do, and all of a sudden you're thinking, this is it. This is the breakout year for Christian Kirk. And then the second half of the season – and for whatever reason, he faded in the second half. And I don't know, but I think Christian Kirk fading in the second half had a lot more to do with David Rye being let go than even Andy Isabella. Mm. Well, he's too good. He's too skilled to be a non-factor too often. It just it just it yes. didn't make sense. There were too many games that ended 
and either he didn't have enough targets or he didn't have enough production and and you gotta just didn't uh, impact the game yes and so and that's a pair of second round picks in christian kirk and andy isabella so obviously they're looking for more return on investment so look uh if they can maximize their skill set that's a great fit for this mm-hmm. kingsbury passing offense you got to figure We'll get an idea of what, uh, you know, an outsider thinks, a former insider. How about Sam Acho, the former Cardinal? Not just a former linebacker, a speaker, a writer. That's all next in the Big Red Rage. Pump steps up, gets sacked at the 26-yard line by Sam Acho. It was Acho that came in and leveled a quarterback and forced a fumble. And he brought the tomahawk with him. Steps up, gets hit, and sacked. It's Sam Acho again, his second sack of the game. Wow, Sam Acho have a day. And the ball comes out of the 30-yard line. It's recovered by Acho. Acho forced the fumble, and he recovers it at the 28-yard line. His second forced fumble. He also has two sacks, and now a fumble recovery. Manning gets rid of it. It's tipped, picked off by Acho at the 25-yard line. Ryan hit as he throws, deflected, and intercepted by Acho at the 33-yard line. Ponder to pass with time. Pumps, rolls left, being chased, and ball flutters, and a diving interception by Acho at the 29. Great play by Sam Acho. Three career interceptions, by the way. It says here on his stats page, Wolf, I think of Sam Acho. I think of big plays in big moments, uh, big impacts starting his rookie year, seven sacks as a rookie. Big smile, Paulie. Yes, big (laughs) smile. I mean, you know, on the field, in the locker room, that impact. We know the difference he's made in the community. That is unquestioned. And then not only with the media, but as a member of the media, Wolf. In fact, this might be our last edition of the Big Red Rage because by the time we're done here, they'll probably <laughs> offer the show to Sam Acho. Right. Yeah. Sam, welcome. How are we doing? Man, Paul, Wolf, I am doing great. And I am so glad to be back on with you all. This brings me great joy. Yes, hearing the highlights brought me great joy. But, man, hearing y'all's voices brings me great, great joy. Sammy, man, so much love and respect for you. And I can I can literally feel the smile coming through <laughs> yes. on this broadcast, brother. How's the family doing? Man, we're doing great. We're doing great. Ever since that rookie year with seven sacks since then, I've played the last, the next nine years in the NFL. I got married. I have three kids, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. So oh. life has changed in a lot of ways, but 100% for the better. That's awesome, wow. Sammy. So you're running the up-tempo with three young kids at your house. There's no doubt about <laughs> absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. What Man. you got left, Sammy? You got a play left? Will you give me one? I mean, if I line Man, it up I right don't now? know. I don't know. I don't like to, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to give away my play. Like a good defensive coordinator or a good coach, I'm not going to give away my plays. But I'm going <laughs> to show you, what, show you what we got, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. Didn't you send out a tweet within the last few days, something about Tampa and the first team ever to host the Super Bowl in their home stadium and you know you're available if BA's in need oh yes I absolutely sent that tweet but there's more to the tweet I I wish that Twitter had more than 140 characters because here's the deal Wolf and and Paul exit interviews last year 2019 season I just finished up with Tampa Bay and I'm sitting down with BA mind you BA was my coach in 2013 and 2014 with Arizona Todd Bowles was my coach as well so we had a relationship they had me come to Tampa played well exit interview BA looks me in the eye and says hey Sam we love what you did we want you back next year 
And so I'm like, all right, let's go. Now, this is pre-Tom Brady. Yeah. Before Tom got signed. I'm like, all right, this is exciting. This is good. Well, then all of a sudden, Tom Brady becomes available, and they decide to sign him. And Gronkowski becomes available, and they decide to sign And LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette, all these guys. Or not, not LaShawn, Leonard Fournette becomes. And they decide to sign him. And so, anyways, I'm still waiting on that call. So I tweeted at B.A., and I said, hey, B.A., you said you wanted me back. I'm available. I'm ready. I got my jersey, whatever you need. Just one game, and I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Right. No, that's great. What did he say back, Sammy? <laughs> uh, he hadn't responded yet. I'm about to have an army of people like retweet it so that he can get it. My, I made a video. I don't think I'm kidding. Yeah. I made a video with my Buccaneers jersey, and my wife was like, send it to BA. And I'm like, I don't know. you know. And so I'm, 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 I'm plotting. I'm plotting. I'm getting ready. But uh, I, tweeted, I, tweeted it, I tweeted it a few days ago. I got the video ready. I'm going to send it to at least the linebackers oh. coach, uh, Larry Foote. Y'all remember Larry Foote? Of played course. A little bit. Oh, yeah. He, he was my coach. I'm going to send it to Foote, see what happens. I'm going to send it to Coach Bowles. And then lastly, B.A. will be the last play. I was going to say, Sammy, don't let B.A. off the hook. <laughs> well, <laughs> Hold right. his feet to the fire. And you know what? We'll get, in, we'll get into the Super Bowl a little bit later. We'll get into your, your book that's out, your brand new podcast that's going to drop. But, but give us some thoughts on the Cardinals 2020. I know, you know, it's from afar, but as a former Cardinal and a guy who knows the game inside and out, do you have any takeaways from this year in the Cardinals 8-8 eight eight campaign? Yeah, it was well. So obviously, former Cardinal, and now I've been in the media a little bit. So I've been announced. I've been. I've announced games. I've. I've. I've, I've watched games, and and for me, it, it was exciting seeing the 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 um, ability. We'll call it that. The ability of Kyler Murray. Right, he's unbelievably talented. Mm-hmm. But then you've got you have to go through that maturation process that we saw. If you remember what Russell Wilson went through from here's his year one to here's year two in twenty twelve. Russell Wilson's first year, he was a solid quarterback, right? Wasn't doing outstanding, was trying to help, trying to figure out how to read defenses. Well, 2013, 14, 15, he became this expert at reading defenses. And I think that's where Kyler Murray needs to grow. Now, obviously, being at Allen in high school in Texas, right, where I'm from, winning championships, and then going to college, winning championships, not losing games, it's good. But there comes a point where you get to play the biggest and the baddest and the best of the best. And you have to up your game. Talent alone will no longer get you there. And so what he needs is to kind of help just, just film watching and, and helping, having someone teach him how to read defenses and not get trapped by, you know, I'm, you know look at the Patriots game, right, getting, getting trapped by good coordinators. I think that's, that's an area he can improve uh, offensively because the offense starts and stops with him. Obviously having to hop there was amazing. Um, and then defensively as well, right, like I, I feel like, I feel like Patrick Peterson obviously is phenomenal and, and, and Buda Baker, you got all these guys, but the part that gets me, this is more of like a general manager perspective, but man, there are so many talented players who left, right? Mm-hmm. Look at the Calais Campbell, mm-hmm. the Ty Matthews, even the Tony Jefferson. There's so many talented players who left. And, and I understand we have young rookies who are solid, but I just feel like we got to find a way to keep the talent here in Arizona. Speaking of keeping the talent here in Arizona, Chandler Jones, what are your what are your thoughts on Chandler Jones? Now, obviously, he missed the entire season, but so what do you think you of Chandler Jones as a pass rusher when you watch him on tape? Oh, he's phenomenal. At one point in his career, probably if he would have been healthy, you could always make the argument that he's one of the best pass rushers in the game. And then obviously, Marcus Golden on the other side, like there's so much talent there. And so um, the injuries don't help, right? We talk about that. The injuries don't help. But, man, when Chandler Jones is out there and he's doing the same thing in New England, when he's out there, he's a dominant force. And so 
Um, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Um, you need him out there. Hassan Reddick, and we're on board with Sam Acho, former Cardinals pass rusher. Hassan Reddick is a guy who exploded in his fourth year. His fourth year in the league, there was a position switch. He's back to the edge. He doesn't have the prototypical size, but he's put on weight. And you look at some of the analytics, and he was top 10 in most every category at his position, a position you know real well. What should the Cardinals do now that Hassan Reddick is, is bound for unrestricted free agency? Yeah, well, he's a guy you got to keep, right? Like, he's a guy you have to find a way to keep. And obviously, people talk about hometown discounts. As a player, you never want to take a hometown discount, right? I understand we care about the team, but you want to do the best for you and your family and your future. Um, but I think that when you, when you look at what Hassan Reddick was able to do, multiple multi-sack games, changing the game, helping Arizona win, I think you have to find a way to keep him. He's at his natural position. He's at outside linebacker, number one. And, yes, people say it's – it's not necessarily – he's not the prototypical size, but neither was Dwight Freeney, uh, neither was Robert Mathis. Uh, there's no real, in my mind, prototypical size. It's all about how effective are you as a pass rusher. Yeah, James Harrison comes to mind right there. That's Bingo. not a prototypical guy right there. Sammy, what about physicality? Is, is it still in vogue in the National Football League to be physical on the line of scrimmage? Do you still have to be that in order to win? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In, in 2018, I was a part of the Bears defense. We, that was the number one ranked defense in the league. And obviously, in 2014 and 13, our, our Cardinals defense with Todd Bowles, we were a top five defense in the league. And it all started and stopped with not only physicality, as you mentioned, Wolf, but also with fundamentals, mm-hmm. right? Physicality and fundamentals. And it's boring, right? No one wants to talk about the fundamentals. Well, you can be as big and as fast and as flashy as you want to be. But if you're not fundamentally sound – you're not going to be able to be a solid defense week in and week out. You might be able to flash and have some great games, but you're not going to be able to be solid week in and week in and week out. And so I think no matter what defense you are, we could talk about Arizona for sure, but you have to be physical, yes, but also you have to be fundamentally Can you sound. go into the fundamentals, Sammy, for people that are listening yeah, right now? Like, absolutely. By absolutely. way of example, what are you talking about? Yeah, so by way, by way of example, so much offense, and let's use, um, let's use the L.A. Rams for an example. So much offense – is, is predicated around these jet sweeps or these mm-hmm. fly motions. And you might be watching at home and say, okay, what's the point of that motion? They're just running around wasting time and wasting energy. But no, the reason that offenses run these jet sweeps and these fly motions is to mess with your eye <laughs> as a defender. Mm-hmm. And so when I say fundamentally sound, I mean looking at the right thing. If you're an inside linebacker and, and your job is supposed to be the A-gap, you don't need to be looking at the fly sweep because all of a sudden you start looking there and you're – you know, I had a coach who always says eyes, hands, and feet. Your eyes follow your hands. Your hands follow your feet. And so if you're looking around and you're moving around, and all of a sudden there's a huge gap and people are running up the middle for, and they're hitting their head on the goalpost. And so, awesome. and so that, when I say fundamentally sound, I'm talking about your eyes. What are you yep. looking at? Look at your responsibility, right? Then we talk about the physical part. That's your hand. So we talk about J.J. Watt all the time and how he's a phenomenal pass rusher and football player and outstanding but also, J.J. Watt can tend to jump around gaps at times, right? Calais, yes. Campbell, Cardinals, great, had, had this issue as well. And yes, it can be effective, but man, there are times when that really hurts your defense because you're jumping around the block and you're not using your hands. And that's not to deter them from doing that because sometimes that's what you need to make a play, but it can't be every time, right? Physical hands, right? I had a coach who also said, man, win first contact. What that means is be the first one to touch the guy you're going against. So eyes, 
hands, and then finally feet, right? So going back to inside linebackers is the perspective, right? It's all about people talk about shuffling your feet and then falling back into your gap. So many players just in, in excitement and eagerness to make a play, they'll start running and crossing their feet to go make a play. Then all of a sudden the running back will cut back and once again hit his head on the goalpost. But when you want to be <laughs> fundamentally sound, you, you ignore the jet sweep. You keep your eyes on, on your work, which maybe it's the running back, maybe it's the guard. Keep your eyes on your work. When you're coming up, you, you, you be the first to win first contact, and then your feet will follow. That's what I mean by being fundamentally sound and having a physical style of play. Do your job. Sam Acho joining us on the Big Red Rage, former Cardinal, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, last season with B.A. and Todd Bowles. So what can they do to slow down Patrick Mahomes, that Kansas City offense? We'll visit that next, and we'll somehow, somehow, with everything going on and three young kids, Sam (laughs) found the ability to write a book. I mean, (laughs) that kind of productivity is borderline uncalled for, but we're going to talk about (laughs) It is Sammy, Paul. Yeah. I mean, and it's a blueprint for taking off our masks. And he's not talking about COVID. He's not talking about something, uh, you know, literal. Right? It's in another way. And we'll get into that next. Sam Acho, our special guest on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Here comes a fake end around, and Brady gets sacked by Acho, came over the top and brought down the quarterback. He was not fooled by the fake end around, and Brady loses about 10 yards on the play. Tom Brady is one of the best play actors in all of the National Football League, but Sam Acho was not fooled. Boy, is he a smart, alert football player. One of the smartest guys on the field and off. That 2012 win at Foxborough Week 2 where the Cardinals went in as two touchdown underdogs and pulled out a win 20-18 to against the Patriots. And uh, there was a lot to like about that game, including that sack by our guest Sam Acho. Sam, what is it like to sack Tom Brady? I mean, you know, <laughs> at what point are you going to get the kids on your knee and tell them all about sacking TB12? Oh, trust me, I, I already have. I already have to. <laughs> There is no greater feeling, at least as a football player, uh, than sacking Tom Brady. If you remember, uh, at the, in the NFC, in the, when, the, when, the, when the playoff time came around, and, and so many players wanted to get Tom Brady, right? Chase Young was one of these guys that said, I want Tom Brady. And so for me, um, that's a highlight, right? Like, it's a highlight. It's a highlight. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So he's, he, he's so hittable, is he not, Sam? <laughs> I mean, his yeah, back, it's a great target, that back. I don't know about you, but just looking yes. at it, it just looks like it's very rectangular. Yes, yes. And the thing is, like people talk about these great quarterbacks, and yes, they are great. Tom Brady's the Aaron Rodgers is of the world. Um, but, man, like when I think about it, like that play specifically, for me it was all about the offensive line. I knew they had a specific play where they would pull the guard and it wasn't a run play. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go take that when I see it. And I took it, right? And there are other plays where it was like, okay, they don't they ran, they didn't run it reverse, right? This is a fake yep. reverse pass. So I'm going to take it. And so for me, it's about offensive line. It's about scheme sometimes more than just who is this quarterback. And look, Kansas City's offensive line obviously compromised, probably missing their starting tackles. What does that mean for a Bucks team that has a pass rush going? Five sacks again in this last game, and Todd Bowles, you know how aggressive he is having played for Todd. Tell us about what the Bucks can or will do to slow down Patrick Mahomes. 
oh yeah, well those outside linebackers specifically are ready to eat. Some people say they're ready to hunt. Like they are, uh, not not only they're focused, but like I've been in that outside linebacker room. I've been in the room. Uh, I was in the room last year with Shaq Barry, who had a few sacks, with Jason Pierre-Paul, who had a few sacks in the game last week. Those guys, their confidence level is through the roof. Larry Foote, the outside linebacker, is telling them, guys, if y'all don't have three, four, five sacks each this game, you don't need to be in the NFL. That's what he's telling them. So he's telling them that they're going to be the ones to change the game. And you know why he's telling them that? Because it's true. B.A. gets it too. Todd Bowles gets it too. You got to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes if you want to stop them. Earlier in the game, earlier in the season, when Tampa Bay faced Kansas City, you saw Carlton Davis, the defensive back, the corner, get burnt by Tyreek Hill. Todd Bowles is telling Shaq and telling JPP, if you do not get to this quarterback, this loss is on you. Oh boy, that is mm. big right there, Sammy. Tom Brady is he a dinosaur? Drew Brees, Philip Rivers. Big Ben Roethlisberger. Are these guys dinosaurs? No, no, they're not. I think what I would say is uh, is 40 is the new 20, right? 40 is the new 20 in the <laughs> NFL. They're not dinosaurs, but the game has changed so much to allow quarterbacks a, an extended lifetime, if you will, in the NFL. There have been new rules put in place, as you know, mm-hmm. well, that you can't go too low on a quarterback. Oh, but let's not stop there. You can't go too high on a quarterback. It'd be a penalty. It hits He's got a hit zone, so like, Sammy. Yeah, you got to get to the strike zone or the hit zone, right? That extends quarterbacks' lifespans in the NFL, but it's not just quarterbacks. So, no, it's also defensive players as well. These, the new CBA that was signed in, in, not the recent one, but in 2011, I believe that helped extend the lifespans of NFL players. Cam Hayward is about 31, 32 years old. He's a defensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers, just signed an extension. Right, Kyle Rudolph, tight end, 30-something years old. He's still got three years left on his contract. You're seeing all these players who are, quote-unquote, getting older. Calais Campbell, prime example, at 30, he signed a five-year deal. Mm-hmm. Right? You're seeing all these players that are, quote-unquote, older uh, thrive. And, it's, and it's, 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 yes, it is because they're taking care of their bodies. That's part of it. It is because um, you know, they're, they're, they're eating better and sleeping better and analytics and all those things. But it's also because the rules have changed in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're on with Sam Ocho, former Cardinal and a former Buccaneer. What's it like playing for Bruce Arians? Tom Brady said earlier today, and, and I think a lot of media were surprised, I mean, how much he's enjoyed playing for B.A. because we know how he called out Tom Brady at times in the first half of the season. We've heard him call out guys like Calais Campbell, who was making Pro Bowls. So what's it like as a player to play for B.A.? Well, you get no greater joy, at least in my opinion, than playing for B.A. because you know he's going to keep it real with you. Uh, So many coaches, they'll say one thing and they'll do another. I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth right now because B.A. said he was going to sign me and he hasn't signed me. But but so many coaches, they say one thing and do another. Where B.A., he keeps it real. He keeps it real. Hey, man, you're not good enough. He used to always say, hey, I need our five-star players to play like five-star players if we're going to win. He'd call you out. Right, Calais, you're a five-star player. We need you to shine. Fitz, five-star player. We need you to shine. Ty Matthew, right, five-star players. There was, no, there was no confusion on what it was going to take to win, right? He'd also put up the, you know, um, after a game, right, after each practice, put up the mistakes that you made. So you knew the whole team would see who player, which players offensively and defensively had missed assignments and mental errors because he knew those caused 
those those are the reasons why people lose. And so BA keeps it real with you, keeps it up front. You have no you have no confusion or no doubt of where you stand with him. So Sammy, when you think of Super Bowl Fifty Five between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, where do you think the worm is going to turn in this game? Where do I think? Where do I think? the game is going to be turned we're yeah. going to win the game yeah where's the worm going to turn in this game where what do you think the matchup is going to be that is going to decide who wins this oh wow that's a great question i think it's going to be the tyron matthew versus tom brady matchup Ooh. Um, mm. that's really what i believe so tyron matthew is a field general for that team and yes kansas city had a phenomenal offense but they weren't winning super bowls till ty got there and so i think that ty matthew um if he gets his hands on that football, I'm talking interceptions, I'm talking forced fumble, I'm talking fumble recoveries, then then then, then Tampa Bay doesn't have a chance. I, I think Sammy I, have a chance. Sammy, I think Tampa Bay's got to play like a, almost a perfect game. I, I mean, it just seems that way. You've got to score when given the opportunities. Your special teams units have got to go out there and control field position and not give up any big plays. Your your defense has to take the ball away from the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to play a near-perfect game to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But I, I think Tampa Bay will do those things. You talk about turnovers. Tampa Bay is one of the league leaders in turnovers. You talk about stopping the run. Tampa Bay is one of the league leaders in stopping the run. Now, but now, now Tom Brady has been a little bit, um, I don't want to say careless, but not as careful with the ball, but that's part of B.A.'s system, right? No yes. risk it, no biscuit. So yes. I think that Tampa Bay will play well offensively and defensively special teams has always been a hiccup for BA's team so we'll see but man I think Tampa Bay is going to play well but I think that Ty Matthew can and will be the difference right now now obviously Mahomes is Mahomes right there's no ifs ands and buts about that as is Tyreek Hill uh, as is as is Cole Hardman as is Travis Kelsey as is all those guys but we talk about who always has their hands around the football it's time, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap with Sam Acho and his book that is out. It is titled Let the World See You, and you describe it as a blueprint for taking off our mass. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, this book is really for – I wrote this book before COVID happened, right? And so people think about mass and it's like, oh, let me take my mask off. No, this book is about why people hide, right? Like what, what are we hiding from and what are we afraid of? But more than anything, this book will change you. This book will change you. When you read this book, your life will be changed because you'll understand, oh, wow, I can be me. I can be me. The subtitle of the book is Let let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. I don't have to pretend anymore. I can be me and I can be real. And that's what this book is all about. I tell stories from my Cardinals days uh, of times where I was me and the benefit that came, but also times where I hid and some of the heartache that came from that. I tell time for my Chicago Bears days, right? So they're definitely – some football examples, but it's not a football book. No, it's a book for anyone who ever felt like they had to hide and they didn't, they felt like they couldn't be themselves. If that's how you ever felt, this book is for you. Everyone who's read this book has seen their story in this book. And I believe the reader, um, anyone who reads it, you will be changed by the book. Sammy, can you tell us why, why you wanted to write this book? I mean, there had to be something that was driving you behind it, right? Yeah, I think honestly, I just felt this weight that I had to pretend and I had to fit in and I had to try and be someone I wasn't and I had to, you know, act this way or act that way. And even as an NFL linebacker, you got to do these, you know, you got to be this big, bad, tough guy. You got to be this mm-hmm. guy who's inaccessible and no one can talk to you and no one can touch you. 
Yet at the same time, I'm a guy who loves relationships. Yeah. I want to get to know the fans. I want to get to know my teammates. (laughs) And it always seemed like that was never what you were supposed to do. Yeah. And I realized that as I started to put on this mask and act like I thought people wanted me to act, um, it wasn't me. And the weight became too heavy. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to try out letting the world see me. I'm going to try and be me mm-hmm. and just see what happens. And you know what happened, Wolf? People became free from that. I received freedom, but other people received freedom as well. Being you isn't just for other people. Being you is for you as well. You will be changed when you're you, and you'll free up others at the same time. We like you, Sammy. <laughs> no, we no. like you, buddy. No Man. doubt. Mm. And, and I have a feeling everyone's going to like your podcast. The premiere <laughs> episode drops tomorrow. Athletes for Justice. So we look forward to that. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And the book, once again, is titled Let the World See You. It is out. It is at samachobook.com. That is samachobook.com for all the information. Sam, we can't thank you enough for your time and insight. Paul, thank you so much, Wolf. Man, I appreciate you. Absolutely. Love you, Sammy. God bless you and your family, okay? Appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely. Sam Acho, who's been making an impact since his rookie year. And I'm not just talking about the seven sacks, as you said, Wolf, from the smile, from what he's done in the community. I mean, we we need a three-hour podcast just to talk about the community aspect. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert right after this. Third down, Mahomes takes a knee, and that is it. The Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. The road to repeat for Kansas City will run through Tampa. The matchup is set for Super Bowl 55. It's the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Kansas City is trying to run it back. And they get it done in the AFC Championship game as they knock off the Bills 38-24. to Courtesy Westwood won right there. That was the final call. So it is official. The Chiefs trying to become the first repeat Super Bowl champion since 2004. Special thanks to Sam Acho for joining us on this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and a Chiefs team. Now, Wolf, uh, it's amazing that they're back in the Super Bowl. They're defending champs. Mm. And to a man, they still talk about in the locker room how they haven't had that breakout game. They they don't feel <laughs> like they've played their best game yet. Yeah. So I get the feeling that you're thinking Tampa's going to have to play its best game to even have a chance. Polly, beware the team with a slippery tongue. Okay, I'm just saying, because right now, what do you mean you haven't had that breakout game? Whatever it is, I think they're trying to demoralize people when they actually say that. I I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, Paulie, in this game right here, and they apply so much pressure on their opponent. I was talking to Sammy about this, Sam Macho, who we were talking to earlier in this beautiful broadcast, and Man, you've got to play almost perfectly in all three phases. Your offense has got to protect the ball. You cannot turn the ball over. If you're in the minus in the turnover margin when you play the Kansas City Chiefs, I I don't know what the stats are, Paul, but I would imagine they're astronomical, the odds that you're going to win that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just... Yeah. It's not going to happen. Your special teams can't give Pat Mahomes and that offense short fields. You can't do it. 
Your defense has got to step up. Everybody has got to play almost a perfect game to beat the Kansas City Chiefs if the Chiefs just go out and play their normal game. I just can't wait to see what Todd Bowles has in mind in terms of a game plan on Super Bowl Sunday against Mahomes and all those weapons and that that lethal offense. Although, minus their starting tackles, Wolf, and you heard Sam Acho mention it, that could be a real liability, especially against that Tampa defense has gotten a lot of production from their edge rushers. Yeah, you're right about that. There's no doubt Jason Pierre-Paul is getting it. And Shaq Barrett, of course, we know they've got the edge out there, Paulie. But in the first meeting where the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think it was back in November or, yeah, I think it was November. But 27-24, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They didn't even really try to run the ball in that game, Paul. They threw the ball 50 times against the Buccaneers. They they ran it 16 times where they actually handed the ball off to a running back, and they averaged about 3.6. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's the one thing they do really, really well, exceptionally well. Number one in the National Football League is they will shut down the run. And I know that the pass defense has really come along, especially over the last five or six games of the 2020 season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense with Todd Bowles has really improved defensively in terms of their pass defense. But, you know, again, I don't I don't know how much the Kansas City Chiefs are going to try to run the ball. Is there anything the Cardinals offense can take from the Chiefs offense? And I know everybody is going to scout in the offseason, all the other teams, especially the Super Bowl champion. But considering Mahomes and Kyler, their baseball backgrounds and their ability to throw from all the different arm angles and and what Kansas City does with Mahomes and and you heard you heard Sam Acho talk about Kyler and where he needs to improve just like Russell Wilson improved in year two and year three reading defenses is there anything that stands out when you look at Kansas City and say man that might apply to the Cardinals yeah can we go get Tyreek Hill Paul can we get him right here because <laughs> yeah. you watch him once again it, it's 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 stunning to me it is stunning you heard Sam Acho talking about the eyes and the jet sweep and how how linebackers in the second level and DBs, their eyes are drawn to a guy on a jet sweep. It's, it's tenfold with Tyreek Hill. This guy dictates what happens to the defense even when he doesn't get the ball. It is an unbelievable thing to watch that secondary move where Tyreek Hill is. Wherever Tyreek Hill is, so much of the time, the Kansas City Chiefs either pay it off and get him the ball, or it's the exact opposite. Wherever he is, they go the opposite direction of him, and it works beautifully. Hmm. i tell you what, Aaron Rodgers struggled in the red zone against that Buccaneers pass defense. You you mentioned how they improved. He was just 2-9 passing in goal-to-go situations. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, you know Tampa can put up. A pretty formidable defensive effort. We'll come back. We'll talk about Tampa and what exactly the Bucks might have to do in this one. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Brady under center. Snap, spin, a second. Zeroes on the clock. The Buccaneers have beaten the Packers. Tom Brady has beaten Aaron Rodgers. And Tom Brady will take the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl for the first time in 18 years. This is the 10th Super Bowl in Tom Brady's Hall of Fame career. And the final is in. Buccaneers 31, the Packers 26. 
Westwood One, Kevin Harlan there, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers become the first Super Bowl team ever to play in their home stadium. They have now won seven in a row since losing. You mentioned it, Ron Wolfley, to Kansas City at home. That was in late November when they lost 27-24, got down early after an unbelievable first quarter by the Chiefs, and then made it a game late. And and it's that defense for everything that, that Tom Brady has done, and we'll get into that. You know, you have seven takeaways by that Buccaneers defense this postseason, leading to 41 points. Todd Bowles has them dialed in, doesn't he? Yeah, there's no doubt, Pauline. That's exactly what they're going to have to do to beat Kansas City. Sorry. I was talking about this in the last beautiful part of the program, Paulie, but Crazy Carl. Crazy Carl's yep. going to have to show up. They're going to have to go out there and protect the ball, not turn it over. They're going to have to score points when Given the opportunity, meaning touchdowns when they're in the red zone, they're going to have to play very, very well in the red zone. Their special teams are going to have to be nails, not give up any big plays or short fields to the Kansas City Chiefs. And then that defense has got to go out there in somehow, some way, turn over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And that's not an easy thing to do. Think about it. Tampa hasn't been to the playoffs since 2007. Wow. They haven't had any playoff wins since their Super Bowl championship year of 2002. And B.A. this week talked about Tom Brady and the impact Tom Brady has made. And the quote from B.A. was, the belief he gave everybody in this organization that this could be done. It only took one man. That reminds me a lot of what Kurt Warner did when he came in. It changed the culture, and the Cardinals made their Super Bowl run. Yeah, you know what? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to run the ball. The bash and bomb offense is not quite the bash and bomb with Tom Brady, but they are throwing the ball down the field more than they have. To me, they got to run the ball and run it well, or else they have no chance to win this game. Yeah, they've gone from 7-5 and five at one point this season to Super Bowl 55. Tom Brady... Who at 43 years of age, yes, the oldest Super Bowl quarterback. And Bruce Arians at 68 can be the oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl. Special thanks again to Sam Acho for joining us, the former Cardinal, for Jim O'Honor and Cody Fincher on Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. been listening to the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert are you santan ford state farm talk to an agent today at 800 state farm and by arizona cardinals podcasts visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts this has been an exclusive presentation of the arizona cardinals football club